But we're going to go ahead and get started. I was telling John before I let everybody in that uh, this, oh, I got a mute, I got a mute all button, John, but that might mute you, so I don't want to hit that one. <laughs> so this could be an interesting one with technology, just so you know. So just uh, um, everybody that's been on the call before, um, we do Mooney Lions uh, Friday Talks. We have asked John Ullman, hopefully I pronounced it right, from Atlanta Capital, come on with us. Um, he specializes in kind of the equity markets. So we're just going to have a kind of quick discussion, John. We're trying to keep them to about 20 minutes or less and just kind of get your thoughts on what's going on and what, what you guys think. And what we try to do is present to our clients the people that we're getting data from to help make decisions on their portfolios and to guide us through, you know, these kind of uh, um, good times and bad times. So, so I guess the first question I'll start out with is, you know, we're kind of pretty much midway through the year. Um how do you guys feel about the year so far? Has it been anything different? Is there anything changed? Or what are you guys' thoughts with the uh, as we hit the point? What are you guys thinking? Well, it, it certainly on the surface seems like a tremendous equity market year so far, right? The S and P five hundred up almost seventeen percent through June. It's the Russell one thousand growth up almost thirty percent, a little over twenty nine. In fact, it's the best first half of a calendar year I think since nineteen eighty seven. Um, you know, and all of that, or just that information in and of itself, would make you feel like, well, everything's great. Um, but as I'm sure. Uh, Joe, you know, and, and most of you have probably heard on the call that the, you know, the equity markets are really being driven by just a handful of names, uh, seven stocks primarily that I think they're calling now the magnificent seven, you know, five years ago, it was Fang stocks. I mean, they come up with these names all the time. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, there are, you know, some challenges buried within that, um, you know, Market concentration is, is clearly a big problem. We'll, we'll unpack that, you know, a little bit as we go on. Um, but the other thing I think that's been very challenging for us as equity managers and uh, I, I think for market participants, too, is just the rapid fire pace of change in focus from the equity markets. Um, you know, you think about uh, the the recent AI buzz, artificial intelligence, right? That's been dominating the dialogue for I don't know the last two months, maybe a little longer. And it, the reality is that we're pretty early in the implementation of artificial intelligence and its actual. Uh, impact on our lives the economy uh there's certainly a couple of companies the big news uh six or eight weeks ago was nvidia seeing you know a lot of uh you know increased earnings and in sales based on you know their microchips being used for ai stuff etc i mean that's relatively isolated but there's just so much dialogue about it right now um so I guess my my thought or comment is that you know it, it's become even more difficult to sort of cut through the noise. I mean, we've all been hearing about the twenty four hour news cycle for gosh for twenty years now, but it's been compounded, of course, by social media, and sound bites, et cetera. I mean, it's just difficult as an investor, you know, 
to, to cut through that and try to understand and think about what is going to be, uh, you know, meaningful as we move forward over some sort of time frame, and then deciding what that time frame is. You know, are you focused on what's going to happen in the next six months, or like us as investors, we're really looking out five years. So, to us, a lot of this stuff is really noise. It's short-term noise. Um, but I mean, that's one of the challenges that I see for, you know, particularly for, uh, high net worth investors is, you know, deciding what to focus on. Uh, and that's a tremendous, um, you know, opportunity for you as, as clients to rely on, on, on Joe, your, your advisor to help guide you through this at an appropriate asset allocation, help you select funds or managers that are going to be able to weather the storm and fulfill your ultimate investment uh, objective over time and not be so consumed with uh, the, the current media cycle or you know, market darlings and that kind of stuff. I heard a, a good quote. I can't can't think of who said it to give credit to him, but I, I think it was on Bloomberg. But they were bringing up the Magnificent Seven. They're like, well, if you look at the S P five hundred, there's five hundred stocks in there. That means you got four hundred ninety three other ones to kind of look through to to see right. some hidden gems inside there. So changing topic a little bit. Do you guys have any? Because um, this this question comes up all the time. You you probably yeah. heard it through the last you know two years now. Um, the Fed. What are your guys' thoughts on the Fed? Um, is he going to start? I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say, but do you think they're going to start cutting next quarter, or do you think that uh, um, what just what's your guys at Atlanta Capital? What's your guys take in regards to the Fed and what they're doing, and kind of where you see that going? Yeah, certainly. I think that you know it, it may may help uh, to frame my question so it doesn't seem like a total cop out. Uh, by giving you a little bit more background on what we do at Atlanta Capital, and I'll, I'll literally take two minutes, not even to do that. We are bottom-up fundamental stock pickers. Okay. We do not deploy any sort of top-down or macroeconomic view in, say, establishing our sector weights or helping us to identify certain areas of the market uh, that uh, we are going to be focused on uh, because of you know GDP growth or Fed action or that kind of stuff, so um, I, I, I almost want to say we don't care what the Fed is doing, but that's not true, right? As bottom up fundamental investors, you know they, these things do have an impact. They roll down, uh, and and we're starting to see the impact of the Fed rate cycle uh, raising cycle, which started in March of 2022. You know, we're at, what, five, five and a quarter percent sort of range is where the Fed is today. And I think the expectation is they're going to raise again next week. But if you go back just seven or eight weeks, like in April, everyone was talking about the possibility of the Fed easing uh, or lowering rates, you know, at some point this summer. Um, all that to say, the they've got a little more work to do to control inflation you know they want to keep inflation around two i think we're hovering around four so it's come down significantly from seven or eight wherever it was you know 12 18 months ago uh but it's come in there's a little more work to do um and, and historically the, the fed tends to uh, raise rates until they break something. You know, something goes awry within the economy because, frankly, they're responding to lagging indicators. You know, looking backward, not not forward. 
Um, the you know sort of mini financial crisis, the bank failures of the SVB, uh, et cetera, from from March is that something that broke? I, we're not sure. Uh, it could be. Uh, there could be something else to come. But uh, you know, as we look at the Fed's impact on the equity market, certainly interest rates are an important part of that. But I think what's more important, and we don't fully understand this, I don't think anybody does, is the size of the Fed balance sheet and what they're trying to do with it. Um, you know, the Fed balance sheet has gone from 800 million to nearly 9 trillion since they started quantitative easing back in 2009. Uh, they have said over time that they want to reduce that balance sheet. Uh, and, but we only have about two instances uh, last year and 2018 where the Fed has actually successfully been able to reduce that balance sheet. And the equity market kind of freaked out. Uh, you look at uh, what happened last year with the large sell-off, particularly in uh, you know technology-related things. You know the Russell growth and the S and P were down pretty dramatically. You also look at the fourth quarter of 2018 when the Fed started to unwind the balance sheet. You know that was a big market sell-off. Uh, they had to pause that to bail out those banks and provide a backstop in, in March and April of this year. So the balance sheet has expanded a little bit here in uh, 2023, but they remain committed to, to unwinding that and shrinking it as we move forward. And you know, the question is, what impact is that actually going to have? I don't know that we have enough data to, to truly understand that, but... Uh, so far, the two instances where they've done that, it's not been good for the equity markets. So I, I don't know if I really answered your question, Joe, but I've given you some thoughts or some things to chew on around, um, you know, uh, monetary policy. No, you did. And actually, um, I'm going to change the script a little bit because you hit a point that I'm not sure that if, uh, everybody caught. And I think it's phenomenal. Um, you mentioned bottom up. <clears throat> And one of the things that we do here is we try to do, we actually we do, we do plans and we look out lifetimes and sometimes multiple generations, you know? So can you expand uh -huh. a little bit on what that means to be a bottom up investor and the, the, yep. word, the terminology you use that we don't really care what the Fed does because we're focused in on what we're focused in on. Can you expand a little bit on that approach of bottom up? Cause I'm not sure if anybody, if everybody on the call understands that. Um, some okay. do, but that's I think that's such a powerful um statement. And I think that we, I want to explore that just a little bit a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. I think at you know, it's sort of most basic. you know, I would describe them up and what we call fundamental investing as letting the financial results of the companies that we are interested in investing in and the management teams, uh, and their specific industry dynamics tell us what a stock is going to do as we move forward versus letting things like Fed policy, overall, uh, you know, political, uh, you know, congressional action, regulatory stuff, all those things have an impact, but we're not letting those things tell us what to invest in. We're letting the details of the individual company, uh, our familiarity and judgment on management, how they choose to spend the company money and expand the business, et cetera, tell us how 
uh, you know, what what the stock will do as we move forward, how strong the business will be, uh, you know, in the coming years. Uh, that's sort of the most basic way I would describe bottom-up investing versus, say, top-down, where you take your belief in what the overall S&P earnings are or GDP growth or Fed action, and you let that tell you, well, that's going to impact mostly kind of making this up, you know, industrials and, you know, uh, consumer staples companies. And then we're going to go try and find some companies within there that we think are going to do reasonably well to take advantage of that longer term trend. You know, that's what we call top down versus bottom up, which is what I described before. Perfect. Um, just let me ask you this question. Um, get your thoughts on this because uh, one of the things we try to do on this call is that you know dispel some of the talking heads that are out there that you see twenty four seven. So the Focus. the latest one that we saw, and I know Brett in our office did a video on this, but diversification is dead. There's no the sixty forty is dead. Uh, oh please. <laughs> so what are you what are your thoughts on that? Of that? Um, you know, listen, diversification is always important over the right time horizon. You know, I think that, you know, the comments like that uh, can be potentially true over a short term time period. And, and, and those terms are relative. Right. You know, if you are, uh, you know, an investor in your early 30s, your time horizon is, you know, typically toward retirement. Right? That's what people think. The reality is people are you know, living longer after retirement. So it's actually not 35 years if you're 30, but it's more like 50 years because you're going to need that money you know, through retirement as well. Now your asset allocation, your goals change uh, over time, but it's important to be diversified over the whole uh, time frame because you know, markets don't always do what you think they're going to do. You know, they are up most of the time, but when they're down, those are major destroyers of capital sort of events. You look at investment strategies that were darlings in 2020 or 2021, up over 100%. Well, they were also, some of them down 65 or 70% in 2022. And that has, you know, eroded uh, the capital base to the point that they may never make that up to get back to you know where they were or even you know it's the old adage that if you're you're down fifty percent and up fifty percent sounds like you're in the same place but you're not you're still down twenty five percent from your initial perspective so that's the sort of market action and compounding that makes diversification important over the long term any short term period you can be tactical with your allocation you can believe that these magnificent seven are going to continue to lead the market and the only things that are going to matter for the next six months or 12 months, I'm not saying that's the case, but you can certainly choose to participate in the market that way. But if you have a long-term time horizon, you not only need to be diversified within you know equities, but also have fixed income exposure. Oh, and by the way, for the first time in a decade, you can actually get yield in fixed income uh, and potentially you know long-term meaningful returns uh let alone income out of uh you know domestic fixed income without 
going way down the yield curve and investing in high yield. So, you know, diversification, I honestly think is more important than ever. If you look at the S&P, U.S. large cap, you've got three sectors, consumer discretionary, technology, and communication services that dominate the weight of those benchmarks and the year-to-date returns. They comprise almost half of the S&P 500, nearly 70% of the Russell 1000 growth. And get this, 98% of the return for the S&P on a year-to-date basis is from just those three sectors and 94% of the return of the Russell growth. And then we've already talked about the magnificent seven, seven stocks, Apple, Microsoft, Tesla, Nvidia, Alphabet, Facebook, and Amazon have accounted for three quarters of the S&P return year-to-date and about 70 or 72% of the Russell 1000 growth return. It's wildly problematic because uh, I don't think that a lot of investors understand what they own. If you've got any large cap, passive ETF sort of exposure on those seven stocks, that's driving your return. This is a tremendous opportunity for active managers, folks like ourselves and you know, many, many others that are choosing to invest in certain specific that of the market based on their experience and knowledge. And, and the reality is these seven stocks are not going to lead forever. Uh, diversification is more important than ever, not dead. Yeah, I was uh, talking to somebody else. This, this is going to date me a little bit, but they're equating or, or you know, kind of mapping out the uh, AI to be kind of like the dot-com. Just invest in mm-hmm. it has a dot-com on it. You'll be fine. Anything with AI, you're good. Um, as we yeah, kind of get- I agree. that's been the dialogue for the last couple of months. Yeah. It's like, you know, I mean, and it's not just markets, you know, just look in your daily life. How many times you're not looking at the financial press, you're looking at some advertisement for something that is now powered by AI. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's the, the term du jour, it's a little out of hand, uh, Listen, at the end of the day, AI will uh, hopefully improve our lives uh, and make businesses more efficient. We're in like the first or second inning of that. Yeah. I Let's know. not get ourselves. That does agree. As we wrap up here, we got about a minute left. Um, what are you guys seeing for the rest of the year? Uh, are you excited? What's, you know, is there anything that really excites you or scares you as we come towards uh, the rest of the year here? You know, I, I think the thing that uh, this is a little sort of twisted, but that excites us is sort of what I talked about before, you know, our investment horizon, we're looking out five years. So we see a lot of opportunity over the next 12 to 18 months. We believe we're headed for a recession, probably the first half of next year that will likely come with some sell-off in the equity market, some correction in the multiples, the price of these stocks being a little more realistic relative to their earnings. We think this will present opportunities for us to buy things for our clients in our portfolios that we haven't been able to because they've simply been too expensive. You know, we don't want to reach 
and chase, you know, the Magnificent Seven. We own a couple of them, but we're underexposed to, you know, five uh, of, of the seven names. Uh, and we may have the opportunity to buy those, you know, at the appropriate valuation um, and, and really prove what we're trying to do for our investors, which is protect on the downside. So you have that higher, uh, you know, uh, pool of capital to grow. Uh, we're looking to being able to do that. And then there are, you know, a couple of other areas of the market, which seem a little interesting to us. Think about, uh, you know, there's been some chatter about the reindustrialization of the U.S. I mean, this is a response to the uh, supply chain issues that we experienced throughout and, and post-pandemic uh, early on. There is this notion of reshoring, bringing the supply chain closer to the end customer, and, and that may benefit, uh, you know, industrial companies here in, in the U.S., um, so those are things that um, you know we're thinking about and, and looking at uh, as we move forward. I really appreciate that. So I want to thank you again, John. This has been very enlightening, and thanks, Dan, for uh, setting this up for us. Um, if anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out, and everybody have a great weekend. Thanks again, John. Thanks, Joe. Have, have a great one. weekend. See you, bud.